if you're trying to put on a 150 person event and you are just breaking into the marketplace, that could be risky. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Eight and five, it's episode 85. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. If there's one thing that Rob and I know a lot about, it's events. Mm-hmm. We've been to a lot of events and we've performed at a lot of events because we've crashed gone. some. We've crashed some events. I wish I was that cool to actually crash an event. Just turn up. Have you ever done it? No. No, me neither. Obviously, Rob being a hypnotist, me being a mind reader at corporate events all over these years, we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of events. But on today's episode with Jim Padilla, we are going to be talking about how to put events together, which allow you to deliver a massive amount of value and then, of course, make really great sales off the back end. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. And um, yes, we're talking all about events. And it's a really, really great conversation about basically the rights and wrongs of doing events. Again, Jim has had a lot of experience, more than us, uh, on the, you know running these events and organizing these events and seeing what works well and what doesn't work well. And that's some of the stuff that's going to be covered as part of this episode. Yes. If you haven't already checked out our brand new podcast, The Email Marketing Show, then please go check that out right now. I think you'll get loads out of it. Every other week, Rob and I interview a different guest. And on the other weeks in between those things, you'll find Rob and I chatting about all things email marketing too. We talk about campaigns. We talk about specific strategies. We talk about how to get particular applications and outcomes from your email marketing. And of course, we even talk about the technical nerdy stuff as well. So if you wish you had a bit, some sort of slightly better results from your email marketing, or you want to brush up your skills, you want to get started with it because you know you need to move people from your social platforms onto your email marketing list, then I think you're going to have a really good time and you can get involved in the show. That's one of the great new things about the new show is you can get involved. If you go over to blog.responsesuite.com slash show, you can record us a little voicemail with your questions, your request for insight, and we'll play it out on the show and answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to uh, hearing some famous. of them. You'll be famous. Famous. <laughs> so without further ado, let's go over and chat to Jim. Jim Padilla, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How are you, mate? I am living the dream. Glad to be here, guys. <laughs> We're so pleased that you're living the dream and with us at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when those two things it are alive. Lovely it? those things when those things coalesce. <laughs> we were just chatting before this about live events. Now, a few years ago, I ran my first proper live event, and the reason I did it is because I saw some people running a live event and it seemed like a good idea. Was it your ego in the way, Robert? It just seemed like a good idea. Okay. So, and that's not a good reason to run a live event, is it? <laughs> uh, you probably see people running live events without, without putting a lot of thought behind that. Is that true? Uh, often. And, and many times too much thought also. Oh, okay. really? Interesting. So it goes both ways. So, it, so if it goes both ways and we often have to figure out why. So why are we doing this event? Not, we shouldn't be doing it because... I want to run an event. I want to run an event. Where can events really fit into our businesses? For those of us who are not doing that as part of our business right now. Great question. Um, we, we work with a lot of scaling companies and we are an outsourced sales company by trade. Okay. And one of the sweet spots for us that we live in is the live event space. Mm-hmm. And the most important part is when you're putting on an event, it's important understanding what's the purpose of the event itself as a destination, but more importantly, what role does the event play in your overall annual plan? What sets up before it? What's going to happen after it? Uh, it's, this is not just a standalone function if you're a business owner, unless you are doing one event for the whole year and you do nothing else except fulfill after that. Yeah, so you so, really got to so, get clear. 
why that matters for you. Totally. Because an event can really be the front end. It could be like a free event, a low cost event or charity angle or get a refund, or it could be a lead generator. It can be your basic uh, in-person list builder, can't it? Or it could be something you do for customer engagement later on. It could be your annual get your members together thing. Can you give us some ideas? It could be the entire business. It could be the entire business. Do you want to just take us through how those things work and where they are in the funnel? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing is very common right now is to use an event on the heels of an online launch of some kind. So you put a big uh, pro- product offering out to place with a smaller price point uh, and a bonus opportunity is also to come to the event. It's a, if you buy this product during our launch and you get to come to the event when the whole focus was getting them to the event. Here's the thing. You know, if you're in the sales game, nothing sells more than face-to-face. We were human beings. We're designed for connection. We were designed to be around each other. When you can get in front of people and do it well, and it's also a leveraged opportunity, best place to grow your business. Uh, But the hardest part is getting them there. So you want to use other means of delivering great value that also position the event as a phenomenal opportunity in your client experience. That idea you've just given there, and we've seen it a lot recently, like you said, of selling a product, doing a product launch, and the event comes sort of free or is you know, a cheap part of that. Maybe people have to pay a small token amount, just a bit of commitment to actually turn up. But like, is that because it's easier to sell like a digital course or something and have the event be a cool bonus? And people are like, oh, and there's an event, rather than trying to sell the event uh, where people have to, like people's buying decision then is, can I get there? Can I get afford Do the I flight? have a suitcase? Do I have fallen off? Is my passport renewed? Like all that stuff. Like the, the decision making process for that is much more difficult than can I buy this online course? So they can sort of postpone the decision about whether it's to really attend nice the event. It's really nice you said that Rob actually, because if I've got a free ticket to an event right. off the back of a 20 grand course, even, you know what I mean? Like, oh, even right. a two grand course, right? I feel like, oh, well, I can definitely afford to go to the event because the event's free. All it's going right. to cost me is my, my, my flights. Right. Whereas if the, if the sale is for, hey, do you want to buy this two grand ticket for this event? And you go, it's going to be two grand for the ticket plus the and hotel. then my flight and then my hotel. It's a and di- you get all these digital courses for free. For free. I mean, Jim, what's your experience having done this a lot more? I mean, we've, we, I've never done it. Is that, I mean, what's your experience there? Well, uh, first of all, you can sell anything at, at any price if it's positioned well and the value makes makes sense for people. Um, and you have clear expert positioning within your space. That's got to be the most important part. Um, but it is harder to put people into a room if they don't, if you don't have brand awareness and knowledge. If you're taking cold traffic and filling a room, you've got a lot of work to do. That's an uphill strategy. You have to spend a lot of time getting them to actually know who you are and what you do and why they, why they should be there listening to you in the first place. Um, it is a lesser risk for them online in terms of their personal purchase and their commitment to it. They just have to show up and do the work. They don't have to get themselves across country, take themselves, you know, things people don't think about is when you're selling somebody to an event, whether it's one, two, three, five days, doesn't matter there's opportunity cost. I don't just randomly go to events no matter how great they are because I make a lot of money in my business. And if I leave my business for three days, I'm losing the opportunity to earn that money in trade of coming to you and hanging out with you. So it better damn well be worth it for me. Mm. And do you think that's a mistake that you see lots of people making trying to do events sort of not exactly too soon, but I suppose they're trying to do an event because, it, and that might be their entry into the marketplace. You know, they're, they're, they may not have a brand or a following or a, or a tribe yet. And then they try and do an event and find actually getting people in a room is harder. Is that, a, is that a mistake you see a lot of people making or not? 
It's really about the size and the volume. If you're trying to put on a 150 person event and you are just breaking into the marketplace, that could be risky. Right. You can put 15 or 20 people in a room and have a powerful, mind-blowing experience that can also produce massive revenue. And that's right? So it's not the, about the size of the people in the room. It's about the size of the problem you're solving and the, and the, the positioning you have as the person who can solve it. It's like we need to get away from our, we need to escape our ego and just look at what the business outcome is, right? For sure. For sure. So, and, you know, we just finished, uh, we have a client, one of the most amazing clients I've been around. I've learned so much from working with him. Um, but we just did an event with him where there was 137 people in the room and it was a $3 million outcome. And to get in the room was a minimum $2,000 purchase price up to 6000 Right. Wow. And, and was, was that event sold as a bonus off the back of something or was this, nope. this was a direct sale. This is what the direct event. sale, direct oh. sale to the event. Um, so it can be done a number of different ways, but the dip, the key is we're crystal clear who we're serving. Ridiculous, powerful niche, strong mm-hmm. message, very confident in, in the delivery outcome. And it's a no brainer. People are like, yeah, I absolutely need this. This is going to be the game changer for me. And it does. He, now he's been in business for a long time. He's extremely successful in his industry. And so he's got that pedigree and that track record. You might not have that if you're listening right now, but you still, there is a sliver of your niche that you own. And if you are the person, if you're best in class at what you do in this specific area, that's the drum you got to beat all over town. And sometimes beating the drum gets them there. Sometimes you have to get them there so you can beat the drum, but you have to be speaking that message all over and people have to know it. You have to teach them what to say about you so that they'll convince themselves of why they should come to you. I'd love to dive into this a bit more. I mean, let's imagine, so for example, uh, you know, I, I might teach uh, digital marketing online. Great. That's my kind of general niche or niche. That's the kind of area that I'm in. And I'm going to do a two-day live event. I'm going to sell it to my tribe. It's going to be a couple of grand or a thousand dollars. I want to get some people in a room and I don't know, let's say 50 people in a room. Happy days. And off the back of that, I may even have something extra to sell them as well. Are you saying that actually just saying, right, I'm going to do an event about digital marketing? Are you saying that's too vague? I mean, this really brings us back to episode 65, where we talked to Aaron Ross about nailing your niche. And that was a great conversation. So I'd love to bring that into the event space here. How niche or how niche do we have to go? You know, it's interesting because I don't know that I would actually even position it anything to do with digital marketing. I would position it specifically around the outcome that they need. Boom. That's one big takeaway. Right. So So the outcome. Totally. And the most effective events that that we are seeing are the ones that there is a tangible, very specific walk away, but deliverable. And most people are trying to overload people with content. I want to give you so much content. I'm going to change your life. But what if I can just solve the one problem that it can actually change your business right now? But in doing so, we'll illuminate a bigger problem that I can help you solve over the next 12 months. And does that, does that thing that you just talked about, does that, that sort of, that one problem you're going to solve, does that affect, for example, on a very um, basic level, the title of the event, you know, the the actual name itself of the event? For sure. For sure. That should impact that directly. So they know that when they're coming to this event, that's the walkaway deliverable that they're expecting. And then it's easier for you. The great part about it is it's less work for you from me. You don't have to come up with know, massive quantities of content. You just got to be really strategic and make sure that you can show them from, you know, 360 degree angle, 360 degree look at how do you solve this problem? 
And so, that's you're positioning yourself as the expert and you're making sure that they are crystal clear when they walk away, they can say yes or no, did you solve this problem for me? Right. And they know absolutely they got the value from it. So exactly. when we're talking about the title of the event, the one part of that formula is what's the outcome I'm going to leave with? What's the transformation I'm going to, how am I going to be different by the end of it? How are things going to be different? Do you also tie into that title the, uh, the, of the event, the, the niche, the actual market for? So would it be how to get your first sale on Twitter for plumbers. Sure, that would be fantastic, right? That, that everybody knows exactly who's in that room and who could be. Now, the great part is I might be an electrician and not a plumber, and I might think, hmm, can this work for me too? Right, and do you address that in the copy, or do you think, actually, I'm going to let them think they're circumventing the, circumventing the thing and thinking, you know, it's a bit like back in the day when we were all on these sales training programs, we were taught how to sell, but then a lot of buyers from big organizations went on these sales training courses to figure out which tricks the salespeople were pulling. Yeah. It's almost like, I feel like I'm being a little bit naughty, sneaking in the back door. They put the tinfoil hats on. <laughs> yeah. And so, so in this case, the electrician thinks, I'm going to go and see what's happening in a, in a sort of, in a different vertical to mine to learn what I can, what I can use. Or do you want to address it directly? How do you prefer to play that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you can go either direction. I, I like to do it subtle. Just let's make it crystal clear that we're taught we're marketing to plumbers. But then anybody who sees themselves as, you know, I might not be a plumber, but I need to understand LinkedIn. And if he knows it so well, he can get plumber success. He can probably help me too. Right. David Starr Jordan, one of my favorite quotes says, the world stands aside and let's pass any man who clearly knows where he is going. So when you are, when you have that movement about you that says, I know this inside out, mm. people are interested. Even if it's not their niche, they're interested. They want to know because you haven't, you're, you're an expert and people want to learn from experts. And this is really pretty eye-opening and game-changing, I suppose. Don't like that word, but it's true. Because, for example, here at Response Suite, we've got our tribe of customers. And then beyond that, we've got a tribe of people who listen to this podcast. Great. And then beyond that, we've got a tribe of people who sort of follow our stuff, but they don't, you know, they're not engaged that much yet. Sure. And that's fine. So we would be tempted to say, great, those people all know who we are. There's quite a lot of them. Let's run an event. We'll call it Response Suite Live. And that's what a lot of people do. They take this quite formulaic approach of like, you know, let's just brand it as something colorful and we'll use the copy on the sales page to do what it needs to do. But actually, just to say, actually, I'm going to take the, the effectively the headline of that page and make it the title of the event to an extent. That's it's great. really, really cool. It's really, and really suddenly cool. I, I bet, I mean, I know I'm listening to this and thinking, oh, that doesn't quite fall in line with the things I've been doing. So I've been making some mistakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is that, I mean, do you think there's any flexibility on that? Could you have it called Response Suite Live and then the headline of the page be how to do this thing for these people? Or would you say, no, just don't do that. Don't, do, don't be too clever call the event, the outcome, and the niche? Yeah, it's usually not the most sexy approach, right? Because we right. want to do the stuff that makes us look all good and feel good. Um, but I, I'm like, I, I would much prefer effective than comfortable and feel good, right? Not that the response seat live doesn't work. It's just unless you're marketing it to a community of people who already know what it is and what that, why that's important, mm -hmm. then you're going to be, um, you're, you're going to be working twice as hard to get half the result. Hmm. Really, really, really cool. Really cool. All right. I want to, I, I, I feel like we're in a segue. So we're going to move into our very first game of the episode. So now you're all about 
were bringing groups of people together. And so what we thought we'd do- Because that's a live event. Because that's what a live events are, right? So what right. we thought we'd do is we'd, we've listed down 10 official names for groups of animals. And we want you to figure out which group of animals it is. I wonder what a group of shoehorns would be called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, slightly, slightly, slightly shoehorned game. All right, so out with 10, see how many you can, you can get, Jim. So the first one is, a murder is a group of what? Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> Wasn't what I was expecting to go with that. Um, it's not murder, murderers, oddly. Is a group of... Yeah, I'm blank on that one. It's a murder of crows. How about that? I love this. This is my favorite one. How about a cauldron? What animal might that be? A cauldron. Man, I got to get out of my bubble more. <laughs> That's a cauldron of bats. A cauldron of, of bats. bats. Okay, here's a e- much easier one. Uh, a litter. A litter of... Kittens. There yes, perfect. Next yeah, one. A, right. a parade of... I love this one. Of, of, let's see, geese, ducks. Oh, I can see why you thought that. It's an, a parade of elephants. Think about oh. elephants on parade. There yes. you go. How about a pride? Of lions. Yes. yes. Uh, what about a romp? A romp? Uh, camels? No, a romp is a group of otters. A romp of otters. otters. I love that. How, uh, <laughs> this one is a gaggle of... Geese. There we go. There you go. A barrel of... Monkeys. Yes. Uh, Colin in our office had laughs earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a pod of? Dolphins. Yes. Uh, a swarm of? Oh, swarm of locusts. You could have that. You definitely. have that. We had yeah, bees, we had but I'm bees sure it is. A so the only ones you didn't get right were a murder of crows and a cauldron of bats. Oh, and also there's a parade of elephants, which you missed out Seven on. out of ten. Seven out of ten. That's a great score. That's a great conversion rate. It's a, a great conversion go. rate. It is on a, a great shitty conver- game. <laughs> there you go. So, take you know, uh, take out of that what you whatever you there want. There you go. Always look on the bright side. That's the, definitely the, the silver lining. So we're really diving here into sort of this idea of the mistakes that people are making at events, how we can do them differently. And I've already learned the stuff I've done at events, which have gone fine. You know, the events are okay, but I definitely can see where I could be going better with that. Let's talk a little bit about the positioning of the event once people get there. So the sort of stuff that should be happening upon arrival in order to set this up to be a good event, a profitable event, an event where ultimately, and this is really your bread and butter, an event where you can start to make sales, what should we be doing? So it achieves the outcome of the business. Yeah. What should we be doing to make sure, I guess, that that event is aligned with what it's supposed to be doing? Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the fun part because you start diving into the strategies here. And this is also why you want to have a lot of latitude on the content. If you have 50 things you're trying to accomplish, you have no room for pivots. If you're trying to accomplish one, two, or three specific outcomes, you have a lot of room to move. And so you want to think through uh, your, your event, whether it's one, two, three days, whatever, it should be just like a sales conversation expanded. So you're, you're running this thing as if it was a sales conversation. And actually the sales conversation begins when they first register. So they're moving through this process the entire time. You're setting the anchor. You want to make sure there's a good balance between tension and pleasure. You want to make sure that they are constantly seeing the possibilities and the outcomes of what can be in their business or their journey or their health or whatever it is the event is about um, while getting them present to the key problem they need to solve first so that they can move forward in pursuit of that outcome. 
And, okay. and then you, so you want to make sure that that's, that's happening there. And here's three things that always need to happen to, to provide a great event. All right. I can't wait to hear that. All right. They've got to have access to you, the expert. Right. And by access, have, what do you mean, Jim? I mean, let's just, let me just dive it, it in. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, great question. It doesn't mean that they have to be, you don't have to have one-on-one time with people and, and they don't need to get you all between the breaks and all that. But it means they need to have a connection to you at the event. You're the one you're teaching or it's your brand or it's your system or your process that's being taught. So they, they have connection to you as an extension. They need to have connection to each other. So it's a community. It's a people who are on the same journey. One thing you don't ever want to have is people isolated in a live event. You don't want somebody to sit in a room thinking, am I the only sucker who's got this problem? Right. So they always want to feel like, okay, good. I see there's 40 other idiots or 12 other idiots here like me who don't know this either. Um, and that's fantastic. Um, and then they need to have access to the content. So you, the expert, each other in the content, they need to actually experience what it is you're teaching and that they can feel like they can implement it with your help. It doesn't matter if they can do it on their own. It matters that they can do it. So if they can do it with the help of the people at their table or in their group or in the community, fantastic. If they can do it with the help of you and your team, great. If they can do it in your presence, they know that they can do it. And you are also setting the stage for a, you're, you're creating a, a dynamic that will play out later because now in their mind, they're going to know, Hey, I know that when I'm around Jim, my problem gets solved. Right. So run us through that, that, those phases again. So phase one. Phase one, connection to you. Phase two, connection to the community and others. Phase three, connection to the content. Right? If that. all of those are present, right, you're going to have a much greater chance of success. Too many times people are like, they just need to experience me. And they do. That's fantastic. That's not enough. Is it just me who's thinking that is so simple, yet that's what's amazing. I, I'm just like having a light bulb moment here because it's stupidly simple, connection with those three things, and you go, you do those three things, of course it's all going to work. It's about you, the expert. It's about community. It's about content. And you do those th- three things. I've 100% dropped the ball on at least one of those things at every event I've ever run. And, every event. and now you get to say, okay, great. What do I do at my event? What I'm go- what am I going to do at my event in order to handle that bit so they have access to me? Great. Yes. Now, what am I going to do so they have access to the community? Is that going to be, uh, you know, like... A pre-drinks and networking yeah. event, an after-hours and networking event. Yeah. Is there a bit where you create community within the room? Is it a post... Oh, Jim, what's your opinion on post-event network. So for example, hey, everybody who's at the event, we're going to put you in a Facebook group or we're going to put you in a, is that a good idea? Is it effective? Or actually, is it better if you're, going to, if you're pitching a community at the end of it to say, well, you better join my community, uh, that's my pitch, or you, this sort of ends and you don't get to talk with each other again. Obviously, you wouldn't say adver- overtly, but post-event community for free included or not? I like to have something built as a runway towards the event. So you can give them a taste. Um, and if, whatever the event is, there should be some sort of pre, pre-event engagement. And often it's in a Facebook group. But right. make sure you've got a strategy for it so that you're building. I, I'll give you an example of, of, of a client that we work with. I think you might actually might know him too, uh, Steve Olsher. And he, he runs an event uh, called the New Media Summit. And yep, of course. there's a one tangible walkaway deliverable. You'll get pitched you'll be able to pitch 40 influencers and walk away with bookings in hand. Mm-hmm. Simple, clean, one deliverable. He spends four weeks up front teaching you the one thing you need to know in that room, how to make a pitch. 
So there's four weekly calls to teach you how to position yourself and then how to make that pitch. So now you've gained, he's also positioned himself as the expert in that space, but now he's also guaranteed you're going to find a win in that room, right? But you have to be part of the community. You have to be part of upfront in order to make that happen. Yes. This also, I think, gives you a really amazing way to make your event different. So for example, one of the things we what we wanted to do with this podcast is to make sure that we made it quirky and, and weird. So we put some games in it, right? Stupid games. Weird is, is a we- good description. Weird, stupid games just for the fun of it, right? That's the decision we decided to make in order to make this podcast sound different from the sure. rest or to be different from the rest. And so what this gives you the opportunity to do is to find ways for your event to be different. So Steve's idea there for New Media Summit is actually quite different. It's really out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but great, really, really good. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a good differentiation strategy, I think, to find, it just makes you think outside the box. How do I achieve this one particular Well, it's thing? not just another seminar you've found on Eventbrite, which is six ways to get new clients at some point in the future, maybe. Right. You know, like, I mean, that's vague and drab and unquantifiable. It doesn't speak to anybody. Like, it doesn't really say, oh, this is for me. It doesn't allow me to do exactly what you said as that third point in that formula earlier, which is to identify and connect with the, contact, the content at all, does it? Right. Um, and you also, the, the thing is, when you do that, it, it, you have to be really clear about what kind of outcome that is. Now, that's a great outcome. Right? And then for, for Steve's event, and Steve, you're welcome for the plug. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but the other part is, now that you've got bookings in hand, most people don't know what to do with those bookings. Right. Oh, no, I'm going to be on these podcasts. How do I monetize this? How do I make this effective? So then his offer on the back end is how to build a business around this. Right. Okay. So it's, it's effective. But then you also have to know that there's going to be a percentage of that room that isn't interested in anything except getting booked. So they're just coming for the bookings. So you have to be clear, like you might have 150 people in the room, but maybe the reality is only 70 of them are ideal buyers, which is fine. It's, it doesn't matter. There's no, all information is just information. You need to know what to do with it after that. What's your strategy to capture those? What's your strategy to support those other people? Given the fact that they're not really here to buy from you, they just want to get pitched or whatever. So you just have to be really clear on, again, what's the ideal experience that you want to deliver for these people. And do you think, and talk about that pitch thing, do you think that at a certain price point, it's not okay? So they've paid a certain price to be in the room. It's not okay to be pitched in the room, and but you could sort of offer it later and maybe do it as in follow-up? Or is it always okay to pitch? I mean, what's your feeling having seen so many of these events? It's your room. You decide the rules. It's the way it works. Okay. So you teach people how to work with you, teach uh-huh. people how to engage with you. If mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not a surprise. Any, if, if somebody is super surprised that you're making an offer, I would imagine that they have not been in the business world long, right? There's going to be right. some sort of an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the, you know, client we just worked with, it was, you know, 2000 to $6,000 price point to get in the room. And there were 45 and $130,000 offers in the room. And it's interesting because I think the type of pitch changes. So for example, if you're going to an event where the tickets are a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars and there's 12 speakers on over the course of a couple of days and the doors get locked when you go in, you can probably tell there's going to be a big pitch. Somebody wandering around with a credit card machine. (laughs) (laughs) Just testing it out for a good signal. You know, that that, that sort of thing. Whereas it's just a different event. Whereas I think probably if you're going to go to an event where it's $6,000 a ticket, a couple of things. First of all, you're probably expecting you, the expert, you, the person to be on stage for a lot longer. I'm not saying you wouldn't have other people speak, but you're probably going to be most of it. Mm -hmm. And I think the pitch is probably less 
it's probably lots of stuff that builds up to one bit. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm asking if I'm right here. It's probably lots of stuff that builds up to one big pitch rather than it being, and it's all very cleverly thought through and it all makes sense. Rather than each individual speaker doing their own pitch. And probably fairly low pressure. Does that sound right? Yeah, it can be. Um, here's the mistake that most people make in those environments. If you, I'm not against, uh, I get people all the time, I'm, we, we're offering a no pitch environment. Well, that's, that doesn't mean anything to me. If the pitch that they're going to get would change their life or their business, then you're not really doing them a favor. So no pitch, yes pitch is, is completely irrelevant. Are you delivering the solutions they need is what's relevant. And so if you're going to bring multi-speakers, that's awesome. Most people do it based on who's going to pay me five grand to sponsor my event. That's the wrong way to do it. Right. What are you offering? What are the problems they're going to be experiencing on the journey towards your offer and bring in sponsors or other speakers who will support and complement that journey and or overcome a specific objection. I love that. I love that. What I happens that. after the event? What, like, what's next? What, you know, obviously we start planning the next one. But it's a, this is really to do about it fits in the in the flow of the business. Like, you might have done the event event as a bonus, apparently off the back of a product launch, like you did recently, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like, what happens next? What should because mostly we go, well, that event's over. Let's start booking the people for next year. Can we get a better price? And what went well? And send out a survey, see how well we did all that sort of stuff. But actually, business strategically, the event needs to fit into it. It's not the end of the marketing funnel. It needs to be connected up. So what's the sort of outward reaching stuff that happens afterwards? Definitely. You want to have uh, your Ascension model all built in. You know, when there should be some sort of desired outcome or destination once they're in this program. And what is it that you can then do with those those people that can offer them greater value, a greater experience of you, a parallel offering, uh, a, a franchising, a licensing, there's whatever is the next step in your journey. The other part is what about the people who didn't buy? Because every event you do, that pool of people is going to continue to grow. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, be very aware that many people need a repeat experience. We've done some testing on, on, on funnels where people were on an 8,000 or bigger offer that not, uh, 67% of the buyers were in the experts world for nine months or longer, which means mm-hmm. they went to an event, they've been on a list, they've been on a list, they've been on a, went to an event and then they bought. They needed to, they just needed more experience of you. Right. right? That's very real. That's two thirds of your buyers. That's cool. not something to ignore. No. Right. Most people are like, well, everybody who was going to buy bought. Ah, that's a risky proposition to be thinking that way. Wow, it really is about 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 deepening, isn't it? <laughs> really cool. Now, Jim, we're going to go ahead and inter- uh, interrupt this again for our second, and this is truthfully our favorite game of the podcast. So here's how it works. Uh, my colleague Kennedy here, hello, that's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Jim. Okay, uh, because right. it's a marketing podcast, you know. Why wouldn't we sing? Uh, so you're going to sing a song, but he's going to do it in the style of a traditional British pub singer. Now that means it's going to be quite hard to understand the words, the tune, the, uh, the point, everything. And so, Jim, your job, and the dear listeners at home, of course, you as well, is simply to try and guess in a moment what song Kennedy has sung. So take it away. <laughs> Right, 
<laughs> wow, uh, I'm stumped. I'm looking at my button, trying to push the button here, and nothing's happening. <laughs> trying to push the get get me the hell off this call. Yeah, button. It was it the big X button? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was classic, Brian Adams. When you're gone. Ah, uh, okay. I can sort of see it in there. Yeah. Can you? Well done, because nobody else can. Yeah. <laughs> We're now going to head over into the quick fire round. Hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, give us a book that you recommend. Uh, I'll give you two if I can. Uh, oh. Relentless by Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. fantastic book all about finding in the deep recesses of who you are uh, how how much you can deliver and and everybody i've ever met is under delivering mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic because i mean there's nothing but go up to go yeah. the other i recommend is zen golf by uh, joseph parent it's nothing it, it's a golf book but it really is not about golf it's all okay. about visualization the power of seeing what is to come and ma- and mastering what is to come by how you can visualize it great huh. book. awesome that sounds amazing. Uh, what's one of your top success habits? Something that you do regularly? Uh, something I do daily is I sell myself on why what I do matters so that I can show up in a way that sells other people on why, why it matters to them. That's really good. I love that integrity sitting behind it. Amazing. Can you give us a marketer or an entrepreneur that you look up to? Uh, one is Mike Aguilero, the mm-hmm. client that I was just talking about. He had, I've learned a ton from working with him. Wow. Uh, the other is, a, is an up-and-coming rock star, someone I fully admire and I love what he's doing, Bedros Killian, okay. Fit Body Bootcamp. He's a franchise uh, fitness guy. He's doing all the right things in marketing and business. I love that. Okay. And uh, so what are some of your favorite apps that you think are really cool that we should all know about? Uh, one I've been using a ton, my team doesn't necessarily love it, but uh, <laughs> it's great, uh, is Otter AI. Um, it's a voice app, so you can speak into it and it transcribes as you speak. And I much prefer to speak than to write. Right. So I communicate with my leadership team and, uh, and our, our clients all the time on, on uh, Otter AI. And then I can send them the link. Or I can, they can listen to it. They can read it. They can do whatever they need to do to it. But it's a fantastic way to communicate with your team. When you said your team don't like it, I thought it might like give them electric shocks or something if they're not working hard enough. <laughs> I, think I'll be- I try to stay away from those. I, I've, I've removed all the callers from them. Uh. <laughs> big, big important question now, Jim. Who do you like more, redhead Rob or platinum head Kennedy? Well, Rob seems a bit crazier, and so uh, I'm kind of envious of that because I'm, I'm a pretty reserved guy when, most of the time, so I am always envious of people who can kind of get outside themselves a bit more. Whoop, whoop. Is, that a, is that a point for Rob? That was me. We're moving on. We're moving oh, on. We're moving on. We're moving on. Okay, <laughs> Chip, tell us, where can we all go to find out more about you, your work, and all of these philosophies? Uh, one, I'll welcome everybody to join our Facebook group. Um, it's CU at seven, S-E-E-Y-O-U-A-T, the number seven. Love the it. The whole conversation there is how to scale to seven figures or get to your next seven. And then I'd love to throw something out there for you um, to, to mess with. Uh, if you go to bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y dot uh, com forward slash peak team, P-E-A-K-T-E-A-M, peak team, there's a 20 question assessment that will help you take a little insight into how you might be leading your sales team. And um, don't be afraid because we won't judge you for your results, but it's, it's very eye-opening. Um, and then we invite a conversation to, you know, to break it down and give you a sales economics assessment. We can always uh, help you get really, really clear on some things that can help save you or make you some money with how you're running your sales teams. 
I love, love that. that. Thank you so much for such generous offers. Re- Jamie, it has been an absolute pleasure digging all this stuff. Really mind expanding. Love all that stuff you shared from being out there in the trenches and doing this a lot. Jamie, thank you so much. All right, guys. Appreciate it. I think it's great. There are so many different approaches to having events. There's events where it's just like one person as the guru of the event runs it and just does a lot of value and all the money's made on the ticket sales. That's good for some parts Mm -hmm. of the business. There's other bits where it's, let's get loads of people in and we'll have sponsors who have like little booths as we come in and all of that stuff. And then there'll there'll be like a pitch somewhere. And then there's the events where it's 12 speakers and there's 12 pitch, you know, there's loads of different approaches to this. And uh, it's really interesting, I think, to take what Jim has to say from his experience of running events with like 25,000 sales conversations a year generated for his clients through these events. It's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. It's so inspiring. If you missed any of this stuff in that interview, because it was crammed with value, you can, of course, grab the show notes at blog.responsweet.com slash 085. Whenever I say that, like 085, I feel like it's the beginning of a police interview. Does that make sense? Why? Oh, I see. Like interview. Interview started at. Suspect. Suspect is... Rob Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode. If you haven't already, make sure you go check out the brand new podcast called The Email Marketing Show on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you'll find us on YouTube with that one as well. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, make sure you do that too, because we'll, we'll be back. Ya. We'll be back next, next week. week. Yeah, we'll see you then. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesweek.com. <laughs>